This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. And welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I am your host, Mo Stewart. I'm joined once again by James Martin and David Lynch. Now, thankfully, Liverpool got back on track last night at Villa Park. And all signs are now looking positive ahead of the FA Cup final. Well, aside from Fabinho, of course. But it's the FA Cup final that we are going to concentrate on today. Liverpool aiming to lift the trophy for the eighth time in their history up against Chelsea, a opponent that we have faced quite a few times already this season, James. They've all been tight games. Are you expecting the same from this one? Uh, yeah, I think you probably have to. It's um, it's a, it's a well-coached side. You can look at things like the form, which I'm sure we will do, but, um, you know, potentially there's some, some rays of hope that it might be a little more straightforward, but then, as you say, it's a cup final, so... You don't want to use the cliche of form going out the window, but you know what does come to the fore is the fact that these are two very good sides with, you know, twenty-two quality players on the pitch, mm-hmm. um, two quality managers as well. Thomas Tuchel, you know, he has his meltdowns, but on the whole, he's a he's a top coach and he he knows how to set up against Liverpool. He knows how to frustrate Liverpool. It, it's it's no surprise that the two the two draws you've mentioned have been. You know, cautious, cagey affairs. They haven't been high scoring. Of course, it took took penalties to to separate them in the League Cup. You wouldn't be hugely surprised to see that happen again. Um, I think Liverpool are the better side. I think man for man and in terms of the system, they're, they're the better team. You look at the league table and that shows you over the course of 38 games where the differences lie. It's Liverpool and City as the two best. Then it's Chelsea in kind of a tier of their own in a no-man's land. And then it's the rest of the table. But in a one-off game, they're a quality side. They have the potential to stymie Liverpool and to hurt them. So, yeah, it's it's probably going to be close. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be talking about that no-man's land they've been existing in recently. And we're also going to be talking about the potential for penalties and the potential for another funky substitution, as was in the League Cup final. But, Dave, before we get into all that, let's talk about the FA Cup in general and where it sits within the pantheon for Liverpool right now. Because in seasons gone past, we've been quite happy to sacrifice it in the name of looking after the big two. But with this kind of quadruple bid, it's felt like it's a little bit more important. And I think as well, the high-profile games we had against Manchester City and obviously this final against Chelsea probably helped with that a little bit too. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, once you get to this stage of any competition, you want to win it as well. I, I just think, you know, the importance of it ratchets up as soon as you get to the final. I mean, as soon as you get to the semi-final, particularly with them being at Wembley and, and like you say, facing Manchester City and performing in that way, then to go to the final and not win it would feel like a real shame. And I think, you know, it, it's important not just for the quadruple bit as well. I think, you know, for, for Jurgen Klopp, you, you look at this and this is the last trophy he needs to sort of complete the set at Liverpool, which, you know, if someone had said when he came in that that was going to happen, you, you thought that was unthinkable, really. Uh, the, the job he's done is magnificent. And to just cap it with the fact that you would have won every single trophy available to him is is just incredible. And I think that should be an extra carrot to the players to to do that as a group as well, because, you know, most of them have been there for all of it as well. So I think that, I think that makes it massive. And I think, you know, Chelsea are ideal opponents to want to sort of spoil that. They'll, they'll you know, relish that sort of role. Um, and, it, and it is a tough game, but Liverpool are the better side and, and going into this, they should be thinking that they should think this is a chance to sort of, 
you know, put the foot on, on Chelsea's throats really and, and emphasise the fact that there is a gap between the sides because that hasn't been particularly evident in the games you've played against each other this season. So maybe this is an opportunity to really sort of hammer that home. Mm. It's interesting because some of the games have kind of shown that, but the results at the end of them haven't necessarily. But I want to circle back to something you mentioned there about the idea of Jurgen completing the set, Dave. James, we've talked a lot about what it would mean if Liverpool do or don't win however many trophies they could win this season, particularly the Premier League, the idea of this group, this era, deserving more titles. But the idea of completing everything, winning everything that's in front of you, that's an important step as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's not too many who've managed it. I mean, there's not too many who stay at a club long enough to manage it these days. So the fact that he's, you know, built from a position where, I mean, it's well well publicised, isn't it? But he came in with Liverpool 10th um, and, you know, that was not wildly inaccurate in terms of where the club were. I mean, you know, probably they were a, they were an eighth in the league sort of side rather than than 10th, but it was a squad not in very good shape at all. It was a club not in brilliant shape. Mm. There'd been all of this, um, you know, all of this tension between Rogers signings, FSG signings. Remember all that drama? That was that was good fun, wasn't it? But um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it had left a sort of fragmented side with with no real identity, and so to have to have come in to have basically built the identity from scratch and then use that identity to go on and win literally everything available it would be quite the statement i mean no one no one needs that statement to know how transformative Klopp has been at liverpool but it, yeah certainly it would be a satisfying and uh and fitting tribute to his tenure so far for, for stats completists and for twitter accounts out there who want to put out memes that will get lots of interactions the completing of the set's a big deal but yeah as i say I'm slightly joking here. I do think it's a big deal for the players as well. So let's talk about our opponents, Chelsea. David, James mentioned their run recently. They've been in a weird position in the league, nowhere near Liverpool and City. But for a long time, they didn't have any problems from beneath them. However, in recent weeks, uh, it appears that those problems from beneath them have started to come into view. And since that game against Brentford at the beginning of April, they have looked a lot more fragile conceding goals. There's still been occasional good performances, but I think of the listless display they put in against Everton and even uh, some periods at home against Arsenal, which was a big game for them, dropping points from winning positions of the weekend against um, Wolves. And then some of the reports you hear of um, the aftermath of that result where Tuchel's brought them in on their day off and it didn't particularly go down well. I mean, this all kind of feels like a good time to be playing Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, you can always flip that, can't you? You'd say it's a bad time because they'll be backs to the wall and they'll want to prove a point and prove that the togetherness is there. But, uh, you know, you would much rather surely be facing a team that is completely out of form where confidence has been hit a little bit and, you know, you can hope that you can capitalise on that. I think a lot of the issues that they've faced have, have been stuff that I think it sort of reared its head early in the season. You, it, it, you could see this possibly coming. I mean, they've been slightly unlucky to have the run as bad as it's been, but you know, because they are still a quality side. But I think you did look at the squad at the start of the season, even when they were winning a lot of games, and people said this is going to be a three-way title race. And you thought there are not enough goals in in the forward line. You you cannot win a title with your fullbacks being top scorers. And and I think you know some of their problem is the. The, the six sort of forwards they've got to choose from is that there were none of them, I would argue, are on a, a truly, truly world-class level. I think, you know, you know, even Lukaku, who I thought would come in this season and do really well, I think there's an argument now that in the Premier League, he, he's not hitting that level and, and, and may, maybe never will anymore. So I think they've got 
and much of a muchness up front and that has become a real issue because a lot you know you look at the results that they've had recently where they've struggled and it's goals have been the issue sides of you know it's not I don't want to use the phrase that they've been worked out but I think sides have got wise to the idea that if you set up to frustrate Chelsea you might get some joy against them that that is their main problem they defensively generally have been excellent throughout the season and, and that's why I think they might frustrate Liverpool at times but I think in terms of scoring goals it's a real a real issue for them and that has been you know you look at that Everton result in particular you know Everton just sat in made things difficult and and, and then got the rewards at the other end and you know, I saw the game they played against Manchester United where they drew one all at Old Trafford, missing chance after chance. And, and you know, the, the, just the quality isn't there, the, the, the decisive moments in forward areas. So I think I think that, you know, you could sort of see it coming, really. And I think yeah. that is an issue that Chelsea have got to solve going forward if they really want to win the title, particularly in a league where you've got to get 90-plus points to do that against Manchester City and Liverpool. So I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think this has been coming. And I think, you know, the, the hope is that Liverpool can can make things difficult. The one the one thing I would mention is that maybe Liverpool will be this type of side that Chelsea will relish facing mm-hmm. because they will be the ones who want to make the play. You know, they're not going to sit in in the way that teams have against Chelsea. It's it, you know, so that sort of it makes things easier for them in terms of knowing what their approach is. But like I say, I, I still think you know the, the quality level is is massively in Liverpool's favour, and that you know if they get the tactics right, they should they should be able to win this game. That is the real. A guiding principle I think most people are going with is that if all things match up as they should do, Liverpool should come out on top. But Chelsea's potential tactics, James, is it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because over the course of the three times we've faced them this season, there has been a bit of variation. I remember at Stamford Bridge being quite surprised by their intensity, their front foot nature, that they were for once looking to come at Liverpool. And it did, well, I mean, it got them a point, but whether they'd be happy with the point at home, that's up to them to decide. When it came to the final, it was, again, a little bit more reserved, structured, trying to look for the mistake. Didn't quite work out for them, although they'll feel like they're unlucky. That's apparently what Chelsea fans are telling me. They were unlucky in that game. So do you think that Tuchel will maybe stick more with that? Or do you think, again, with it being a one-off game, he'll look to maybe potentially be a bit more adventurous than he would in the league? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I think probably we'll, we'll see a potentially similar approach to what we saw in, in the other final. Of course, that's probably the best measure we're going to get to have literally had a kind of trial run in a cup final in this very same season. Um, what you would say is, of course, they came out on the wrong side of that game. So maybe the temptation is to change things up. But I do think um, Tuchel will share that kind of attitude of Chelsea fans about luck. I mean, for one thing, it went to penalties, which is... As as, it, as the saying goes, it's a lottery and, you know, you can work on them, but it's pretty much true. And then, um, of course, in, in the course of the game itself, there was that, that very tight offside. It was it was an offside. You know. I was miles off. <laughs> <laughs> Blown massively out of proportion, of course. But, um, you know, what we will say was a great offside trap. They will say was, was bad luck. And, you know, either way, it's fine margins. So I, I think... If you even think back as far as that Borussia Dortmund game where Liverpool beat them dramatically in the Europa League, Tuchel after that was just saying, "This is one of those things that can't be explained. I have, you know, I have no idea how this has happened." So he, he's very much the logical kind. He'll say, "Look, we, we were millimeters from a result in the last cup final, so maybe let's just do the same again, and those margins will fall in our favour." So I wouldn't expect to see anything wildly different. No, but that's fair. I mean. The margins are quite small. And as you mentioned, James, penalties are a lottery. However, David, Tuchel tried to game 
that lottery. He tried to work the system. And to be yeah. fair to him, it has worked in the past. There was a time in the Super Cup where Mendy came off, Kepa came on for the penalties, and he won the game. However, maybe slightly overconfident from that, Kepa did not win the game for Chelsea. In fact, in the end, his missed penalty was what lost the game for Chelsea. And this is obviously off the back of Edouard Mendy making quite a few important saves in the 120 minutes that got them to that point in the first place. Now, we suspect up front, Werner and Havertz will probably still play ahead of Lukaku. We'll have to wait and see what they do against Leeds midweek to see if that works out. But the goalkeeper situation, do you think if we got into the same situation, he'd do it again? I mean, firstly, let's just say, I'm sure we all hope it doesn't get to that. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a nice four 0 Liverpool win would do, but um, but yeah, if it if it does it does get to penalties, surely not, surely not, just because of the, I think the mental impact of that uh, on on Kepa himself and and what he did to Mendy as well. I think I, I just think he, I can't see him going down that route because I don't think Kepa would come in suddenly full of confidence that he he can do it again because you know he, he didn't touch really you know any of those penalties that Liverpool scored and Liverpool. Have, you know, so convincing in the taking of the penalties as well. So, yeah, I, I'd like to think it would it wouldn't be something he'd try again. And I think I think with Mendy, even if you don't think he's a particularly fantastic penalty saver in in uh, in training or whatever, or or maybe in games, but I, I just I think you just give him the chance because he is on the on the face things. He's a top top goalkeeper, isn't he? And you know that that can sometimes just be enough knowing that you're up against you know a, a top level goalkeeper to to get in your a player's head and make them put some hesitancy into the penalty and, and give him an opportunity to save. So even if he's not the most fantastic penalty keeper, he, he can, you know, can save them with that, that the mental side of it almost. So yeah, I, I don't think he'll go down that route, but like I said, I, I prefer if we just avoided it entirely. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think if there would certainly be intrigue, and I'm sure neutrals would quite like to see that twist. But yeah, do you think? I, I, uh, do, you, do you think you're going to bring bring Quivine on, or <laughs> oh, just to take you one? Imagine, you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably by just as an outfield player. That that oh, that that, that, that narrative FC would be all over that. <laughs> uh, now, final point about our opponents, James. Um, they have got quite a few fantastic players, as we've mentioned. Uh, there's two in particular who seem to enjoy playing against Liverpool, N'Golo Kante and Mason Mount. Now, Kante, we're still not 100% sure how fit he is. Again, the game against Leeds will give us a guide there. But what have Liverpool got to do to kind of shut these two down? Oh, Kante will be fit, won't he? He's always not fit, and then he always comes back for Liverpool and drops a masterclass. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Um... I'm just going to briefly touch on the penalties thing first because there are a couple of things I was going to say and then I'll, I'll circle back around. But uh, the thing is, it's such a small kind of sample size as well that managers have when they're trying to assess who their best penalty keeper is. I mean, like, like David said, you can look at them in training and maybe that gives you an indication. But when you see fans trying to justify it online, they'll say things like, well, look, Kepa's got the, the better save percentage. It's like, well, OK, but neither of them have faced that many penalties. And given that we all acknowledge that there's a lot of luck involved, it's like, can you really draw that many conclusions from it? I mean, I seem to remember Alisson had a pretty barren run of saving penalties when he first arrived at Liverpool. It's like, OK, we can accept this. He's the best keeper in the world. So if he can't save penalties, so be it. But then in more recent times, he's had an excellent record of penalties. Mm -hmm. He's 
uh, its percentage has shot right up. So it's one of them where you can't really judge it that accurately based on sort of past performance in shootouts. And yeah, um, as we mentioned, sort of you then have to weigh up whether even if there is a marginal advantage, whether that's outweighed by the psychological effect of having to come on and and be the hero. Um, mm. We've got an interview coming out with with the Liverpool psychologist Lee Richardson. I think that's coming out tomorrow where we talked a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, check that out. Thought I'd get my plug in <laughs> up there. Um, but yeah, um, that was a, a long-winded approach to your actual question about Mason Mount. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm all for it, don't worry. All both are necessary. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it's a tricky one. You, you know, they're, they're very good players. You wouldn't necessarily say there's too much you would do to kind of counter Kante in particular, because a lot of what he does is that kind of breaking up play work. So I suppose you know Liverpool aren't it's not it's not a case of let's stick a man on him type thing it's more about how can we bypass him and that's all of the things Liverpool normally do they just have to do them you know as best as they possibly can in terms of moving that ball quickly maybe we'll see lots of those switches from fullback to fullback where the kind of middle of the park is is bypassed entirely um he does sometimes seem to to pose a bit of a threat on the ball which again he seems to save almost entirely for Liverpool so I guess with Fabinho almost certainly out that that'll be a challenge in terms of breaking up any kind of progressive runs in the middle before they can get too dangerous. Um, yeah, we saw against against Spurs, didn't we? There is that pocket where there's that bit of uncertainty. Do we do we close players down? Do we let them run? Uh, and and we, could, we saw the dangers of, of letting people run too far. Uh, Mason Mount, he loves that pocket of space as well. He'll be looking to operate there. Um, you know, late runs maybe cause some damage. It, yeah, it's... It's very hard to say how you specifically counter it. I, th- I think it is just a case of, like we were saying at the start, in terms of the relative quality of the two teams, you just have to rely on Liverpool doing everything they normally do to their highest possible potential. And if that happens, then individuals like Kante, like Mount, they, they should be non-factors. Whereas if if there are lapses, they're exactly the kind of players who, who can pounce on them. So I don't think Klopp will have massive specifically detailed plans for those two individuals but i yeah they're they're certainly ones to keep an eye on for sure and the midfield battle is often where these things are won and lost david and as james mentioned fabinho is unlikely well i think fabinho is unlikely to feature again between the now and the end of the season it's be a miracle to see him in the cup final lineup so klopp's gonna have to go without it looked like jordan henderson coming into the six it seems the natural solve for that but obviously there are then other places around him it seems like at the moment of we've got kind of what we call four of the frontline midfielders so maybe the expectation would be uh henderson tiago and navigator would start the final do you see there being scope for any of the others maybe a curtis jones or are we again we thinking this is a final it's got five substitutions it might go a long time we're going to need all of the squad anyway. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens with um, with Naby Keita's knock that he got at the end of the game as well. You know, that is a little bit of a worry, particularly as, you know, Fabinho. Klopp was actually pretty optimistic about Fabinho and his, his post-match interviews sort of suggested that it wasn't too bad. But I mean, regardless of whether it's severe or not, I, I can't see him in any way playing in this game because I just think... You know, it's a muscular issue and you just do not want to take the risk. To, you know, if, if if you could guarantee you'd be fit for the Champions League final now, I think everyone would take it. Um, so, yeah, don't don't see him being risked regardless. But I think, yeah, it could get interesting if Naby Case is just feeling whatever that was that was forcing him to go down. You know, at that point, you're looking at 
you know, James Milner then to, to maybe come in, you know, someone you could trust in a big game, no doubt about it, but could he, could he do the 90 minutes against a very physical Chelsea midfield? It'd be a, a difficult one. I think, you know, if Cater is okay, I think, yeah, I think it does pick itself because I think, like you say, it has been the, you know, three from the four basically, hasn't it, for the for most of this season. And I think, you know, Henderson slots nicely into that six. His form has been much better when he's played in that position than maybe in the eight this season, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Henderson in there. And then, obviously, Thiago picks himself. He's, he's number one name on the team sheet, probably in the midfield. And and then Cater, who who hopefully is fit. And, you know, his form has been very good this season. He's, he's made a big impact. It's... Um, yeah, that, that looks on paper a very tidy three and, you know, very disappointing that Fabinho won't be there. But, it, you know, that is definitely a midfield three that can win this game. And, of course, we didn't have Thiago for the League Cup final. We pulled out just on the, on the brink. So, who knows what kind of difference he could have made there. Hopefully, we will know. So, James, let's talk further forward. Um, Diaz was taken off, uh, I believe, on 65 minutes, which would lead most people to suggest that he'll be in with a starting berth. Uh, Mo Salah didn't start the game, so the same conclusion can be drawn. Sadio Mane scored in the game, as he has been recently. So does this become a really easy decision for Jurgen Klopp? I think so, yeah. I, it, it's Salah Mane Diaz, isn't it? I mean, it's it's remarkable how quickly that's sort of become the first choice front three, given that, you know, Jota has been hammering away for you know, the best part of two years, trying to finally nail down that spot as his own from Firmino, who, of course, has his own cachet of amazing Liverpool moments uh, you know he was the most important player in the team for a number of seasons you could argue um, and you know still contributes even this season he's he's perhaps been better than last season in terms of chipping in with goals so yeah it, it's very competitive on paper but yeah when those three have played they've they've made it almost impossible to to be dropped for the biggest games I mean Salah potentially is in the worst form of the three, but you know, you you're not going to get to the final and not play Mohamed Salah. Um so I think we can safely say he's nailed on. Mane, like you say, looked almost done when Diaz came in. It's like, okay, we've we've replaced the left wing for the future. Um Klopp's, Klopp's put him through the middle. I mean, the the, the fate is is amazing because um, you know, we had Jota who wasn't quite fit at the time. For me, no, we're not quite ready. Who knows if Mane would even have gone through the middle had that not been the case, but it, it's proved to be a revelation. He's been probably the most important player to the run-in. Scored some massive goals, not least against Villa. Um, and yeah, he looks the most likely to score every game at the moment. So there, there's no way that Klopp can start the final without him, I don't think. Mm. And, and likewise, Diaz, a revelation since he came in. We wouldn't be in the hunt for a quadruple without him. I think that goes without saying. He was very good in the last cup final against Chelsea, and that was one of his first games. So having settled in a bit more, he'll, he'll only be more dangerous um, and yeah, the order picked itself as well, of course. Mane through the middle, Diaz on the left, Salah on the right. Although I will give a mention for, for Diaz on that right flank. I mean, he probably looked better when he switched back against Villa, but I, I did think he looked quite good in that kind of Salah role. So that's a, mm. an interesting option moving forward. Nice to have that that versatility, that ability to change in game. I think Jota has, has never looked quite himself on the right. Uh, I think already Diaz is maybe looking a little more dangerous when he's asked to switch. So, yeah, it, it brings all sorts of options to the table. There's options to change against Chelsea in-game, whether we see Jota, whether we see Firmino. They, you know, they're both excellent players. They will both feel they have a case to feature. Um, but, yeah, from the start, I think the three essentially picks mm. itself. 
and you the expectation, David, with five subs, as we mentioned, is you do see both of them. But it's an interesting point for me between Jota and Firmino as bench options primarily, because Firmino's done a lot of good work from the bench this season. I think a way it into sticks in most people's minds, but there's been a few others. Whereas for Jota, he's only really got one goal, I believe, out of the 20 he scored this season's come from the substitutes bench. So he's found it a little bit more difficult to get to the pace of the game late on. Do you think that that might influence Klopp's thinking in terms of where he comes in the pecking order? And, of course, we have to mention at this point, substitutes making an impact. There's obviously still Divock Origi. So we, we, we have to mention him. It's a cup final. These are the times when he has shown himself. So do you go with someone who has that attacking flair that we've seen from Jota, that ability to score a goal out of nowhere, or the people who've been tried and trusted of coming off the bench? Yeah, I'm slightly surprised by that Jota statistic, to be honest. I think, you know, you see him as a sort of player, just a goal getter, sniffs out goals everywhere. Um, someone who would make an impact off the bench. And I think, to be fair, in his first season, he, he did get a few off the bench, didn't he? He did come on an impact game. So I think it's just maybe one of those weird quirks that happens in the numbers. And, and you know, I think he is capable of doing that. It's just not happening for him at the moment. I think I think one of his biggest problems at the moment and why he sort of were going into a final knowing he's not going to start, because I think, you know, you look back to the League Cup final, he definitely would have started that if he was fit. Um, and now we're, you know, a few months down the line and you, you, you're thinking he's not in the, the first choice front three. And I think his biggest problem is has been his hold-up play, hasn't it? And his general all-round play is getting involved. You, know, you do feel that when he's in the front three, that sometimes if the ball comes to him on either, you know, it's either side or in a central position, that sometimes it comes back a little bit too easily. He wants to be on the end of things, first touch in the box, finishing things off. And, and not really, you know, not really got that all-round game. So it's it's an interesting one in terms of what Liverpool are going to need because I, th- I think even if you do need a goal, say, going into the last 30 minutes and you're looking to your substitutes bench and you need to, you know, Chelsea holding you at nil-nil or the one-nil up or whatever, I still think Firmino, you know, you'd be tempted to go towards Firmino or Origi just because g- the general all-round play is, is better. You know, Firmino in particular is, you know, such quick feet, so intelligent, you know, to take the ball in tight areas, drag players towards him and then... And then pop it off into space. You know, he's he's so much better at that and helping Liverpool to build pressure before a goal comes. That, you know, he probably looks a better a better option than someone who is who is a, a much better finisher than him in, in Jota. And you know, and Origi's shown quite a lot of that as well in his in his uh, cameos this season in terms of you know bouncing balls off him and 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 allowing people to link up play and, and again just piling pressure on your opponent. So I think it's you know, Jota's in a bit of a tough situation at the moment. You think I think the most important thing he's got to think is that, you know, even if he has a disappointing end to the season and doesn't feature maybe as much, is that he's only 25 and, and those, you know, sort of shortcomings in his game, he can definitely work on. But I think, yeah, going into this final, I think he, he possibly would be behind Firmino and Origi in terms of if you are, even if you're looking for a goal late on, which just seems crazy when you talking about someone who can seemingly score from nothing. But that's just, you know, how things are going for him at the moment. Well, hopefully this will be the game that turns around. Maybe he'll come off the bench to score the winner. Who knows? I I, I quite like that narrative for him. Now, let, before we get onto the score predictions, we should cover the back line as well. Uh, now, Robertson got his rest at, uh, against Aston Villa, so undoubtedly he comes in. Virgil van Dijk. Yes, Virgil van Dijk is still Virgil van Dijk, so he's going to play. Uh, I believe the same of Trent Alexander-Arnold, which brings us to the other centre-back. Now, Joel Matip scored his second second goal of the season against Aston Villa. I'm not sure that's ever happened before. 
But Ibrahima Kanate has performed very well whenever he's come in. He's still unbeaten as a Liverpool player. Um, James, I'm making you Jurgen Klopp. Who are you picking? Joel Matip, 100%. Um, you know, maybe we'll see, like we saw in the first final, where Kanate came on late on to, to deal with a specific threat. We saw Lukaku come on for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. We thought, OK, get Kanate on. Maybe Matip's a bit tired. Maybe Kanate will deal with that sort of slightly different threat that Lukaku poses. I wouldn't be wouldn't be against that. To be honest, I wouldn't be against it if Kanate started. Like you say, he's certainly proved himself. But um, for me, it has to be Matip. I thought he was exceptional against Aston Villa. I mean, if, it, if it's not Mane, then he was probably a man of the match. Obviously, there was the goal, but he was also very good defensively, probably the only one defensively who could come out of the game with complete credit. There was nothing that you would say he did wrong. He stepped out perfectly a few times to catch catch players offside, not just the time that was ignored because it was too far from the goal. Um, other occasions too. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'd been rested for the two games prior to that with Canate playing. Um, and, of course, Tuesday to Saturday isn't too bad. So he, he should be fresh enough from Villa to to feature in the final. I, I, yeah, it's... Canate has so many years ahead of him. He will mm-hmm. he will eventually take that spot, I'm sure. But I think for the time being, Matic's done nothing to lose that spot for the biggest games. And, yeah, he's, he's got to play for me. I can see that world. I, I have to say I agree with you. I think Canate, he is so exciting. You just want to believe all of what he could potentially do. But the other thing that we forget about with Joel Matip, David, is that he is... He adds an extra element to our attack. He's able to bring the ball out in a way that no one else in our squad really does. And he's almost like a higher wire act because he's going so fast, but he's always in control. And it's something that other teams find it really hard to game plan for. Yeah, and I think it gives you a nice contrast to what's on the other side, which is obviously Virgil van Dijk's passing ability and ability to spread play. The fact that you've got someone on the other side even then who can who can dribble and, and offers a completely different threat, it just gives Liverpool a really nice balance in defence. I, I, I'm sort of interested to see actually what, what Klopp does here because I think, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what James said there, but I think, you know, do, does he think about Canate just because of the Werner pace in behind, which I think if Chelsea are going to really think is a, a way of them exploiting Liverpool's high line, you know, I think that's they're going to think that's a, a good way for them to get goals in this game. So, you know, possibly that is something he leans towards Canate just with his pace to track those runs because that, you know, that's the same reason he went with him against Tottenham and he knew that was going to be a big threat. So I think it's a really interesting decision. He's going to tell us a lot about what he's going to do for the Champions League final as well because, you know, not quite in uh, Vinicius's class, but I think he's a very similar sort of type of threat um, and it's going to be a sort of similar approach. So, really really fascinating and it's going to have a big impact i think whatever decision he makes you know in terms of on the rest of the season it's it's a really interesting one no i hadn't, I hadn't considered that but yeah this is very much a trial run for the that almost like a a, a, a a tester before we're going into the main event but then some people say that's what the fa cup final is in a nutshell a little a moose bush before we get onto the main event last point on this then guys score <laughs> predictions you knew it was coming. David, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get anywhere near penalties. I think I'm just going to go for Liverpool 2-0. A goal in each half. Nice and easy. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Probably a little bit ambitious, but we'll see. <laughs> James, what are you thinking? 
Um, yeah, I th- it is ambitious, but you know, like, like we've all been saying throughout the pod, I mean, Liverpool should be the better side if both teams played to their best. Liverpool will run out as winners. Um, and yeah, Liverpool have a good record in, in finals recently, turning up. So yeah, I think I think they'll get it done. I think maybe I'll go for a little bit more nervy. I'll go for a a one nil. But I, mm. I I back us to to escape another penalty ordeal. Just about. I know. I I don't think penalties are going to happen again. I don't think the universe is that concerned with us to come in and make that happen. But I'm like you. I think Liverpool will win. I think. Liverpool are strong enough. I think that Chelsea will look better than they have done in a long while and it won't be enough. 2-1 Liverpool. David, James, thank you very much for this. It's made me very excited about the game to come on Saturday. I hope it's done the same for all of you out there listening. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.